You're listening to The Basics of Life with Rob Salvato, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel Vista in Vista, California. Well, welcome to The Basics of Life. I'm Rob Salvato, and this is the interview edition of our program, where my role changes from Bible teacher to interviewer. And I personally love these editions because I have the privilege of having some great conversations with people who are making a big-time impact for the kingdom of God in this broken world of ours. And today I'm talking with Carrie Stageberg. Welcome to the program, Carrie. Hi, thanks so much, Rob. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're really glad to have you on the program. And um, I was introduced to Carrie in September of 2019 when she was speaking with her dad at a marriage event that my wife and I attended out in Palm Desert, California. And Carrie, I got to tell you, to be honest, when we signed up, I thought it was a little bit weird that your dad was bringing (laughs) his daughter with him to a marriage retreat. Yeah. But but I've always really loved your dad's ministry. I've read a lot of his books. And so we wanted to go and it was great. But I have to say that we actually loved you way more than we loved your dad. And he was great, but you were exceptional. Oh, uh, thank you. Well, and he, everything I learned, I learned from him. And, you know, it's kind of funny you mentioned that I had a lady come up to me during the first session who actually thought he was my husband. So there was a lot of clarifying that had to happen that weekend. Yeah, absolutely. It was was fun. (laughs) Well, together you made a really great team. And I just want to say, well done. You guys did great. Oh, thank you. Now, Carrie, before we jump into our conversation today, can you just take a minute and introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, Carrie Trent Stageberg, and um, I have the incredible honor of getting to be the CEO of Strong Families, uh, which I get to do alongside of my dad, Dr. John Trent. And it's just a really special opportunity getting to work with him. But uh, we really help couples and families just build great relationships. And and that's really what we get to do together. So it's, it's just an incredibly special thing to get to do with my dad. That's awesome. And, you know, one of the things that I really loved about you when you shared at the retreat is just how honest and vulnerable you were. And you shared about being in an abusive relationship several years back. And and I really appreciate you being willing to talk with us today about that. Yeah, well, and it's such an important topic. I mean, one in four women, one in nine men are experiencing abuse and I'm just really thankful you guys are are talking about that. It's super important. I agree. And I, as a pastor, do a lot of counseling and, you know, talk to women who are either in those kind of relationships or have come out of a relationship like that. And um, so I think I I agree with you. This is something that the church really needs to be talking about and dealing with today. And um, so let's, let's just give a little bit of background. You grew up you know, in, in a Christian home, your dad's a well-known author and teacher and, and pastor. And you, so you grew up in the faith. And I think many would probably think that, you know, you grew up in the ideal home. Did you ever have a season where you rebelled? Maybe you doubted your faith or you strayed from the faith? <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, if someone had told me even, you know, 10 years ago that I would be doing ministry with my dad, I would have I would have laughed in their faces. And, you know, I think you can have everything handed to you. You know, you can grow up in a Christian home. You can, 
you know, have parents who give you their blessing and tell you that you have value and that there's a God that loves you. But at the end of the day, it's a personal decision. And I know for me personally, um, God just always felt really abstract. Mm. And I think everyone has to go through a, a journey to find, to make their faith their own. Um, and for me, it was a very long season. So pretty much from, you know, junior high, uh, early high school, all the way through uh, the end of college and beyond was was kind of my rebellion stage, if you will. Um, so, yeah, I doubted for a long I, I never didn't. It wasn't ever like I didn't believe that God was real or that Jesus was real. I just didn't understand how or if they even had a place in my life or what that even could look like on a tangible level. Wow. Interesting. And I think you're not alone in that. There's a lot of young people today that struggle with those same type of feelings and, and questions. Um, so let's jump ahead here in your story to the point where you you end up in this abusive relationship. How did you end up in that relationship and how long did it last? Yeah, so, you know, I don't know that there's like a clear this is how I ended up there, but the reality is, is when you're trying to seek value and affirmation from things that are not the Lord, you tend to settle for things. Mm. And, you know, I think I was just looking for another person to tell me that I had enough value. And um, so I ended up uh, meeting him when I was in college and he just kind of seemed like a knight in shining armor and um, was very charming, very just everything that I had ever envisioned, you know, and I just couldn't believe he was interested in me. Um, and I didn't know any of the warning signs of abuse, not having grown up with that. You know, I, I just didn't have a paradigm for what abuse was. And so by the time I realized it was abusive, we had already been together for an, for a really long time. So overall, that relationship last, lasted about four, four almost five years um, total that we were together. Wow. So how old were you when when that all started? Um, I was nine. I think I was nineteen when I met him, maybe, and then I was like twenty three, um, twenty yeah, twenty three ish, twenty four when I left. Okay. And did anybody else in your you know family see any of the warning signs or, or any of your yeah, friends? you know, people did, um, and I'm incredibly thankful for the people that chose to say something. Um, you know, he, my, my family had, had expressed concern. Um, friends had expressed concern. You know, I even, you know, it's so funny in hindsight, I think when you're in an abusive relationship, you really overlook the warning signs. And again, not being super familiar with abuse at the time. Um, I just thought, you know, everyone has ups and downs. These are normal. But I mean, I even had a neighbor who, showed up and offered me a key and just said, if you ever need a safe place to stay, you can stay here. I mean, we had neighbors that had called the cops, um, but I just couldn't get it. it. It was, you know, you're kind of in this locked in this state of love and survival. So there were lots of warning signs and there were lots of people that told me, Hey, you're making a mistake or this doesn't seem right or something isn't okay or normal here. But again, I had to choose to believe that. Right. And do something different than what I was doing. And did the relationship um, lead to, did you actually get married? Yeah. So, um, yeah, we ended up eloping, shocking my whole family. Not the best thing to do when you have a dad in marriage and family ministry. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, I mean, because they, you know, I, I knew no one was really on board. And so, yeah, it was and I was just a mess, quite frankly. I mean, I was so broken and 
um, I look back on that season and it's just the things that I did. It just, there was so much that I, there just wasn't a lot of logic. It was really all about my identity had become so wrapped up in that relationship Mm -hmm. that I felt like I had to do whatever I needed to do to keep it. So yeah, we ended up um, eloping and then we actually ended up with with an annulment uh, a little bit less than a year later. Gotcha. So was that, did that relationship all happen during a time when you really weren't walking with the Lord or were... Right. Yeah. So I was um, in college and then out of college and uh, yeah, I was not walking with the Lord. I, um, yeah, I was just really lost and really broken. And, you know, I think in, in abuse does that as well. So when you add brokenness on top of brokenness, it was just, um, it was really kind of, un- it's hard to describe that season, but it was just, it was just a really dark, really hard season. And I just felt like I didn't have any hope. Um, and I didn't know how to get out, even if I wanted to, it was, it was just a very confusing, challenging, it was, it was just a mess. I know I'm not describing that very well, but it was just a very dark season. Right now in a, um, very, what I would say, vulnerable blog post that you wrote called fighting with, not against, you wrote about becoming an emotional monster at times. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, was that, was part of that from maybe hiding what was going on? Yeah. You know, when I got out, it, it when you're in an abusive relationship, you really develop a unique set of survival and you repress and you repress and you repress because if you ex- like share your emotions, they're going to be used against you. Mm. And so when I got out and actually started to try to build healthy relationships, I I didn't know how to access those emotions. And then as I realized, especially with Joey, my, my husband now, um, that he was a safe person to be emotional with that I could actually share how I felt and it wasn't going to be used against me. Mm. I didn't know it was like learning how to do something for the first time. So I didn't know how to do that in a healthy way. And, and, you know, even when I was in um, the relationship with my ex, there were definitely times where I didn't act appropriately either um, or say things appropriately. But I, you know, I think really with Joey, it was like learning how to develop a new muscle. How do I express emotions in a healthy way? And, you know, when you're not used to emotion, it feels really overwhelming. Right, <laughs> so, I yeah, I really, I really was. I felt like an emotional monster and I didn't know what to do with those emotions. So that's why I'm so thankful for things like counseling and friends and, you know, even just Joey's patience and, and grace and helping me figure out different ways to do that. Hmm. That's great. Now I want to ask you during that time, um, you know, that you're in that relationship, did you at all... I'm sure you did have, you know, moments or, or times where you just sensed, you know, God's spirit just speaking to you, you know, Carrie, you know, this isn't where you belong or, you know, God just trying to get your attention that, you know, he that he loved you so much. Yeah, you know, and I think honestly, that's one of my favorite things about the Lord is that he never stops pursuing us. Mm. And he never stops trying to show us how much he loves us and that we have an option. And there's definitely multiple things I can point to in that season. Um, There was a, a family member who gave me a book on abuse. And that was a really eye-opening thing that happened to help me start to realize what I was in. I mean, I, I had a neighbor. I actually had two people offer 
offer me keys and then a third one that I took, um, which I can share more about in a minute. But I mean, I had people literally offering me safe places. I had, there were definitely moments where I felt like God telling me, just trust me, trust me, trust me. Um, but I had to get to a place of rock bottom before I was really willing to call out to him for help. Hmm. So how did you finally get out of this relationship? You know, I get asked that a lot. And I, again, it's one of those things where there, it wasn't like there was one moment. And I think, you know, if you're in that spot, um, a lot of times what I would do, and, and I think a lot of people experience this is I would start drawing a line in the sand and then that line would get crossed. Like if this happens, then I'm out. If this happens, then I'm out. If this happens, then I'm out. And I just kept moving the line back. Mm. And so there wasn't one moment where I just realized I need to be out. But I think what it was is God continually working. I just got to a place where I realized if I stay, like, I, I'm going to die. Mm. Like, not not even necessarily because of him, but because I can't live in this anymore. Like, my soul literally can't take can't take what's what's happening to me anymore and then that was the moment where I cried out to the Lord and um and I and it was actually one night um he had gotten violent and normally he would just go in the other room and play video games and kind of act like nothing ever happened and that particular evening he left and I just remember crying out to the Lord and seeing God if you know if you're real I don't care what you do and I, and I don't care how you do it just get me out mm-hmm. and 10 minutes later there was a knock on the door and someone had a safe place for me to stay and a place for me to go. And, you know, I, I wish I could say like that was the end of it. But, you know, the average victim goes back seven times. Wow. And that was probably like five or five or six out of seven. Um, but it was the start of realizing, OK, maybe God is listening. Maybe he really does have something different for me. Maybe maybe there's hope here that if I did trust him, maybe he would provide a different way for me. So I think that was kind of the start of realizing, okay, maybe maybe I have a choice. Right, right. Now, let me ask you this question. Um, you just made me think of this. Why do you think the average victim in that type of situation keeps going back? You know, there's so many, so many emotions that are mixed into it. I mean, one, you do love that person. But also that cycle of abuse really is an addictive cycle. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with, I mean, I'm sure you are, you're a counselor, but for those who are not familiar with the cycle of abuse, Mm -hmm. you know, it's really this, um, there's an incident where abuse happens and then it goes into a honeymoon phase where they're sorry and repentant and all of the things. And then it kind of swoops back down again and tension starts to build until the next incident. And it's really easy when you're in that spot to you're such in a survival mentality that those, those lulls, that honeymoon period, you're going, okay, maybe it'll be different this time. Maybe, maybe it really will change. And you want to believe that so much. And you're, you're also dealing with just the trauma. Um, it's really very challenging to be able to think clearly when abuse is happening to you. Mm. Yeah, you probably, I mean, you're on the one hand dealing with so many different emotions that you're not dealing with things in a in real reality. Is that right? Right. Yep, exactly. And I and I think too, it's it's a big deal that to try to say like I'm gonna end a marriage or you know, is that even the right thing to do? And, you know, are people going to hate me because I walked away? And, 
you know, and, and also I think there's also a question of value. And I know for me, that was a big thing where I felt so much shame and I felt so like I wasn't worth, I wasn't worthy. And so it's really hard to think, well, if I get out, is there even hope for me Hmm. in general? Is there a future for me in general? Wow. Which is so, you know, amazing. I think probably to anybody that knows you, because I mean, it's obvious I mean, I just spent a very small little time, you know, listening to you in a a brief conversation, but it's obvious, I mean, that you are so gifted and and, you you have so much, you know, so many neat gifts and value and, and, uh, but for you to not be able to see that and probably part of that was the abuse. Yeah. Well, and thank you. I mean, it's all, it's all just the Lord. And yeah, I mean, that's really what abuse does though, is it takes things about you and it dismantles it. And pretty soon you're just believing lies over truth. Um, And that's where it's really important to, as you're healing and getting out of that, to just continue to take those thoughts captive and and not Mm -hmm. let those lies continue to come up because they still do. I mean, that's still, that's still a battle um, even once you're out. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to ask you next was, um, you know, once you got out of that relationship, did you deal with guilt afterwards? And if so, how how did you overcome that or how, how are you dealing with that now? Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of guilt afterwards. Um, I mean, I there were a lot of people that I hurt, uh, my family especially, as you know, while I was in that season. And I didn't even realize how much I was so focused on me and my pain that I didn't even realize the damage that I had caused outside of that. And I mean, but I also, I mean, there were, there were just so many emotions in the healing process, but yeah, shame and guilt were definitely a part of it. Um, But I was also still dealing from, you know, dealing with all the lies that he had spoken, you know? And so really, I think, you know, it was a combination of, just the Holy Spirit and counseling and lots and lots of prayer. And um, I was actually sharing this with a friend the other day. You know, there was a season uh, right after I got out where I I moved states. um, I got plugged in with the church. It was really just a time of me getting to meet the Lord for the first time, really, like in a very deep way. And that was when I realized just that power of declaring truth over lies and there was a season where I would be driving. I don't know why it just always seemed to happen in the car, probably because, you know, the Lord had my unfocused attention at that point. But, you know, a lie that he had said or something that he had said about me or done that was hurtful would come into my mind. And I would just take it captive in those moments. And, you know, I would just say, you know, that's a lie. This is God's, you know, this is truth. This is what God says. And then I would work through a process of forgiveness. And it was probably about a year and a half um, of just, having to do it right when it happened, every time it happened. And that was one of the biggest freedom moments. Mm -hmm. It was like one day, a year and a half later, it was like, these aren't, it's not happening the way that it was. You know, I, I felt like I really had worked through a lot of those lies. Wow. Well, Carrie, we are almost out of time for, uh, today, but I know there's a lot more of your story to talk about. And so I'm really glad that you've agreed to stay on the line so we can continue to record this conversation. Um, But before we go, why don't you just take a minute for those who are listening today and give us uh, a little insight of how our listeners can find out more about you and your ministry. Yeah, well, we would love to connect with you. Um, You can find us at strongfamilies.com or me at carriedtrentstageberg.com. 
um, or on any of our social media channels, um, but would love to talk with you. And, you know, I think my encouragement would just be if you or someone that you love is in an abusive relationship, um, take action, start getting help, start having that conversation, call the, the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Um, it's really important to begin those stages of starting to get help and, and figuring out, you know, how you can become free from that as well. That's awesome. And uh, it's, I'm so glad that you're taking the time with us to share this story because I believe it is one that really needs to be heard. And it is a problem that um, is so prevalent today. And um, unfortunately, even in the church. And um, so just as a quick recap, you you were in this relationship four years or so. How, How did you finally get out of that relationship? Yeah, well, and again, thank you, too, for talking about this topic, because like you said, it really is prevalent. And, you know, stats even show it's no different. You know, I call abuse the great equalizer because it doesn't matter, you know, religion, race, socioeconomic background. It's it's across the board. The numbers are are relatively the same. Um, So, again, thank you for talking about it. Um, But to answer your question, you know, there wasn't one specific moment where I just you know, it was like, okay, it's time. It was really, um, in hindsight, I can see specific things that the Lord did to kind of soften my heart to get me ready for that. Um, but there was one night specifically where I, I realized that the Lord was real and that was really what kind of set in motion my, the, the courage that I needed to get out. And that particular evening, um, he got really angry and violent and normally he would just go in the other room and play video games and kind of pretend like nothing ever happened. And that particular evening he left. And I just remember crying out to the Lord and just seeing God, if you're real, I I don't care what you do, just get me out. And 10 minutes later, there was a knock on the door and um, someone who knew what was going on and had a safe place for where I could go stay. And um, I didn't leave for good that time, but, that was really the moment where I realized, okay, God's listening and maybe he does care about what's going on. And maybe if I, maybe there is something to this, maybe there is hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't very long after that where I did end up leaving for good and um, ended up leaving the state actually, and, and got some pretty intensive help in terms of healing. Wow. Now you mentioned in our last episode that you went through some counseling. Um, do you mind if I ask how long? Yeah, you know, I'm actually still in counseling. And I, I've told, you know, my husband and so many people, I mean, I probably will be for the rest of my life. I mm. think counseling is just an incredible, I mean, I'm not going as often as I was, but it's incredibly helpful to have those touch points um, of checking in and just staying healthy yeah. um, and continuing to address issues as they come up and keeping them small instead of letting them grow and get bigger. But yeah, I, um, I mean, that was, it was 10 years ago, almost that I left. And so it's been about 10 years. 10 years. Are you completely healed? You know, I don't think you, I, I, you know, uh, that's kind of a, a hard question. I mean, I've healed, yes, but there's always deeper healing. Yes. And God is so kind and so gentle that he never brings he, he brings things up when it's time. And mm. um, so there's always deeper of levels of healing. And, you know, I know even like when Joey and I got married, there was a whole deeper level of healing that I wasn't expecting to have happen, um, which is another reason, you know, to stay in counseling because <laughs> right. you just never know. And, oh, I didn't realize we're going to be dealing with that right yeah. now. So, but it's a beautiful, like, it's beautiful. And I think that's the thing with the Lord is the more that you go down that road of healing, 
you start to realize, okay, God, I can really trust you with that. And it might be hard. It might be challenging. It might be a little scary, but I know that after like the afterwards is so worth it. It's worth it to do that healing. You know, I often tell our church that we like, I'll open a service by just reminding everybody that we are a group of broken people who are in the process of being transformed by a loving redeemer. And, um, and that's all of us. I mean, none of us are, are perfect. And, you know, when I do premarital counseling, I, I always remind these couples and sometimes it takes them off guard because I don't think they like to think this way, but, you know, everybody, um, no matter, you know, their upbringing or, or, you know, what, anything that they've been through, we all bring baggage into, you know, our relationship with our, with our spouse and into a marriage relationship. And so I'm just wondering, um, how has what you went through in the past affected your relationship with your husband today? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think when we were engaged, um, some, some fear definitely came up big time. And I really tried everything I could think of to try to push Joey away because I just was terrified. And it was fear that I didn't realize I still had. And I didn't, I wasn't expecting that, you know, I thought, Hey, I've been, you know, it's been seven years. I've done a lot of healing. I've been in counseling, (laughs) you know, I found the Lord. Um, so, but there was a lot of fear that I had just because of, of what I've been through. And, but you know, that's again, that thing with, um, when you trust the Lord and you walk through a process, he, he always brings you out the other side. And I've grown a lot over the last three years that we've been married and I'm still growing. And, um, you know, I mean, I had, I definitely had some anxiety attacks, um, our first year of marriage where my husband, um, Joey, he's, he's amazing and he's a cinematographer, but hmm. he does a lot of live sporting events. And so he can't answer my, my call when he's shooting a football game, right, you know, right. um, but him not answering the phone was triggering fear in me. Hmm. And so that was really something where I had to work work that through with the Lord and um, with friends and just having, having people I could call to say, all right, I'm really struggling today. Like I, you know, I need some help getting through this. Um, but you know, that that's the Lord has healed that. And, you know, even just, there's just so many different ways where I can just see like, Joey is the guy the Lord picked for me and he's so kind and he's so patient and, um, just reassuring in ways that I need to, but there's also, I have that responsibility where I need to be dealing with my things and cause his reassurance isn't enough, mm. you know, like I need to be going to the Lord to be getting my validation and my value. Um, and, you know, and, you know, Joey can help with that, but it's not his responsibility to make me feel solely safe and solely secure in our relationship. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, one of the so, most important things that any of us can, can do is we need to find um, our identity in Christ. Yep. And, um, you know, I just recently taught through the book of Ephesians here at our church. And mm-hmm. um, we actually went, took 10 months, if you can believe that, to go through I six, love that. Yeah, six chapters. Because the first three chapters are just all about who we are in Christ. And I just yep. wanted to drill that home, you know, to the people in our church because, um, you know, it's just so important. And I think all of us can wrestle with, you know, I've had times in my ministry where, you know, I'm trying to get my validation from being a pastor or, you know, being
being a speaker or that type of thing and, and, and having it not be in, in my relationship yeah. with Christ. And I think all of us can deal, you know, with that, but we are going to be the most whole. And I think the most really who God wants us to be when we're walking in that realm of just knowing, you know, who we are in Jesus and, you know, what it means yep. to be, um, you know, his workmanship. And for each one of us, you know, I love that picture of the workmanship and how, yes. um, you know, it's poema in the Greek and it means, um, you know, masterpiece. But that term masterpiece was used um, to describe um, any form of art, not just a poem, because mm. we get our, our English word poem from it. So, you know, it could be a song, it could be a painting, it could be a sculpture and anything that was deemed to be, you know, just excellent was called a, a masterpiece. And I love a poem. that. You know, and so when you think about that in terms of, okay, God says that you and I are his masterpiece, and he's not talking about our anatomy, because um, even though the Bible says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, but the key phrase in that verse is created in Christ, and it's, mm -hmm. it's being in Christ that makes us, you know, his masterpiece. And when you think about that, that is, you know, as if God is saying, I'm an artist, and yeah. so, you know, art is often the expression of an artist. I'll say, you know, this example, I'll say, you know, when you see a, a musician and he's, you know, singing a sad song, his, you know, uh, girlfriend just broke up with him. And so he's singing, you know, achy, breaky heart or something, you know, um, yeah. he's singing a sad song. It's an expression of what's going on in him. Well, we get to be this expression of God. To the world around us when he says that we're his masterpiece but the way to do that is when we find our identity in jesus yeah absolutely i mean i and i love that that's so so beautifully said and um and i think for me that's part of why you know i called my blog you know my beloved daughter was because mm. you know really over the last 10 years like that's what the lord has shown me um is that i am his beloved daughter and nothing changes that not my sin not my past not the future nothing you know can change that and i think you're absolutely right when that is center everything else kind of felt it it, it doesn't work without that piece so right. we're always we're always searching for that yeah. um and you know and it's just coming back to that that truth of okay i am god's beloved so i want to go back for a minute to you and joey your your mm -hmm. husband today and, um, you know, did the two of you talk in any type of detail about what had happened to you? And, and maybe could you share at what point in your relationship that you did talk about this? Because I think for people who are going through or have gone through, you know, what you went through and, and then they're getting into a new relationship, they're maybe dealing with sometimes a, a fear, a fear uh, maybe feeling ashamed. And I think they can be reluctant to want to share, you know, that what, what they went through in the past. How do yeah. you guys navigate that? Yeah. Well, um, you know, I, I kind of was the queen of one date. Um, I, I would go on a lot of first dates and not a lot of second dates. And, you know, I think a huge part of that is I, really didn't want I, I didn't I didn't hide my story mm. um you know I had I even had a guy you know walk out when he had heard I had been you know divorced and what I had been through literally left the date which I actually kind of found funny at the time 
because it was like, well, like that cleared that up really fast, you know, but I, I think for me, um, when I first started talking about my story, I didn't know very many people that had been through abuse. And then the more I started talking about it, the more people would start to share their story. Um, and so I just kind of got in the habit of, of leading with that and being super honest and transparent about my story. And, um, I also, you know, I mean, the Lord was the most important thing to me. And so I wanted to be really clear about that up front. and you can't really share your testimony. Like that's really how I met the Lord. So, you know, that and my testimony were very, they, they weren't mutually, like they needed to be mm-hmm. the same. Um, and so I actually, the first day I met Joey, it, it kind of came up, but I didn't know at the time that he had already known that about me and um, had been reading my blog. And he, I mean, he already was sold. He knew, you know, but um, so, but I mean, we definitely had deeper conversations as we've gone on, but you know, I think there are some things where it really hurts Joey to hear. Um, but he's also very kind and gentle if I need to process something or want to share something. So, I mean, he's he's really left it very open to me to share what I feel like I need to share. And if he has a question, he'll ask. But, um, you know, for the most part, I think he's he's really just kind of left, left it up to me to share details that I feel are important. Okay. Now, let me ask you this. Why, why do you think or why would you say that's important for maybe a couple that's dating, you know, to have that type of transparency? Well, I think, like you said before, um, everyone has baggage that they bring into the relationship. And I think if, at least for me, I wanted to go into it knowing as much as I could and letting the other person know as much as they could so that we could make a really good decision. Um, and, and just be aware of, of what it is, you know? And so I think being transparent about your past, about your struggles, about where you're really at is super important when you're dating, because those things are going to come out when you get married and, you know, you can either make it be prepared and and know ahead of time and like be fighting together on it, Hmm. or you can have a lot of shocks along the way. And it's not like, you know, God can't work with that or, or, or help, but I just felt like marriage is hard enough. I didn't want there to be a lot of surprises if I could help it. Yeah. So describe what fighting together looks like. You know, I think Joey really has taught me in a lot of ways what that looks like. Um, and I didn't, you know, I, I think I had such a fear of fighting with Joey because I was afraid of not necessarily that he was going to yell at me or be cruel or unkind because that's just not Joey, but that somehow through that fight, he would decide that I wasn't worth being in a relationship with. Mm. Um, And so Joey has really kind of shown me that it doesn't matter what we disagree on. Like his love isn't going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. And so that gave me freedom to actually be able to bring up issues and to be able to say like, Hey, that hurt my feelings or you know, this didn't go so well today. Can we do it in a different way? And so it's helped me realize that I don't need to be afraid of conflict. Um, and that when we actually talk through those issues, our relationship gets better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's still a responsibility to, you know, it's not to say we don't fight or we don't ever disagree or, you know, anything like that, because we do, but it's just done in such a different way. Um, and then I also think us learning you know, Joey's a processor, and so giving him time to process the big things and giving me time to call a friend and go be emotional about something before we talk, you know, it's just, it's learning how to have a conversation in a way where it's a conversation, not an argument, if 
it's just some of those practicals. But but yeah, Joey has really taught me that when we do it that way, it, it gets better, not worse. Yeah, totally. The Bible tells husbands to dwell with their wives in understanding. And um, and sometimes that's hard, you know, for us guys, yeah. you know, to do. But, you know, learning about each other and, and how we think and how we process. I'm a processor as well. And, you know, one of the things I had to come to you know, this realization is that sometimes my wife just needs to vent and she just needs to express herself and express what's, you know, um, going on. And so sometimes literally when she'll, you know, just start to rant about something, you know, that she's upset about, I'll, I'll, I'll ask her just to pause for a minute and I'll just say, okay, I just need to know right now, do you need me to do anything or just yeah, or listen? Yeah, you just need me to listen. Yeah. Just listen. Joey yeah. asks that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. And sometimes she'll just say, no, I just need you to listen, you know? And, um, and then you're right when it's something involving us where there's been like a conflict or, or that type of thing, you know, I um, at times need to walk away and process and then come back and, um, and that could be hours later um, yep. where we come back and we talk about it. And sometimes she needs to, you know, do that as well. And, um, you know, a lot of guys. Yeah, we t- got we got a couple of really good pieces of advice early on. And um, I lived with the family for a while. And when they would start to argue and he would notice himself getting to a place where he was too angry. I, I loved that he did this, but he would just say, I no longer have the integrity to continue this conversation. Hmm. And that was code for, okay, we're going to pause and he'd go take a walk around the block and she'd go do something and then they'd reconvene. And I thought that was such a great, and Joey and I have used that a couple of times where it's like, okay, I no longer, I am no longer in control of what's going to come out. So we need to pause. Um, And then we've also started doing a, a 24 hour rule where if it's a big thing, you know, we'll put it on the calendar so we don't miss it, but it gives Joey 24 hours and it gives me 24 hours before we talk about that issue again. And and that has been, both of those things have been immensely helpful. Wow. Carrie, you're a great communicator and you have a growing platform. So just tell our listeners, what are some of the things right now that you're really passionate about? Yeah, well, you know, I have the incredible blessing and honor of getting to uh, do ministry with my dad. So uh, at Strong Families, really what we're passionate about is it all starts with the blessing. Um, And we actually just re-released that book. um, And I added, uh, I was so honored to get to do that, um, but to add a whole third section of the book that's just practicals. So it has over 150 different ways that you can live out the blessing today. And these are like small, tangible like you can do them immediately kind of ways. And so that's really, I would say kind of where it begins with us at strong families is every, everyone needs to to know that they've got someone that's crazy about them and that they have a God that's crazy about Mm. them. And for us, that that starts with the blessing. Now for our listeners that are maybe unfamiliar with what you mean by that, describe for us, what is the blessing? What What are you referring to? Yeah. So um, about 30, a little, well, I guess it's been 35 years now. My dad wrote um, a book called The Blessing with Gary Smalley. And really what The Blessing talks about is in scripture, every time a blessing was given, there were five things that happened. And um, the book goes into a lot of detail about that. But really, when those five things happen together, it creates unconditional love and acceptance in those around us. 
Um, and even if we didn't get that growing up or that wasn't present in our homes or relationships, we through through the Lord and um, and His blessing can give that to other people. Uh, so that's really kind of where everything begins for us is with that topic of the blessing and, and helping people receive that and give that to others. So what are the five things that happen? Yeah. So it starts with appropriate, meaningful touch. So, you know, putting your hand on someone's shoulder, their elbow, you know, a hug, anything like that. Um, and then it's spoken or written words, which, um, you know, again, it's words that attach high value, which is the third element. So, you know, really you want to be speaking truth and life over people that God has placed mm-hmm. in your life. Um, and then it's a special future, which is helping them get a picture for how their unique gifts and talents um, are going to be used by the Lord or and already are being used by the Lord and reminding them that God has a plan and purpose for them. And then the fifth element is genuine commitment, which is really how do you walk this out every day with those that God has placed in your life and letting them know that, hey, no matter what, I'm going to be here. That's awesome. And I bet you that's a lot of fun to go around the country talking about. It is incredible. I mean, it it really is. And it's so fun getting to do with my dad. I mean, I I do stuff on my own as well, but getting when the when I get to do it with my dad, it's just so special. And um, we do on our website, if you go to theblessing.com, you can take the blessing challenge. It's free. And it actually walks you through those five elements and how you can give someone in your life a blessing as well. Very, very cool. I like that. Now, I appreciate how you've been vulnerable to write about your story. And and, um, and so I'm just wondering, have, have you found other women reaching out to you because of, you know, what you went through? Yeah. Um, you know, it's when I first started sharing my story, um, when I got out of that relationship 10 years ago, I didn't know anyone else. Um, I, I I knew of one other person that had kind of been through what I had been through. Um, but now, I mean, I know it, it's just incredible. And um, my husband, Joey, kind of calls me a magnet because whether it's, you know, the barista at Starbucks or someone sitting next to me on a plane, I seem to find people that are in going through that experience or have a loved one who is. Um, but yeah, every time I talk about abuse or share about abuse, it's it's astounding how many people, um, you know, message me or call me or text me or, you know, even just stay after at an event to talk about that. Um, it's a huge problem going on today. And so many people are impacted by it. Mm. Yeah. You know, Paul wrote in Corinthians where he said that, you know, we can comfort others with the comfort that we've received from the Lord. And so Mm -hmm. I think when somebody goes through, you know, something, I mean, any type of, you know, situation, but especially, you know, one like yours, there's a reason for it. There's a, a, I mean, even though, you know, it was maybe um, the, the result of some poor choices um, in your life at that particular time, you know, and you had already talked about in the first session how you had walked away from the Lord. And at that time, you really weren't, you know, finding your identity in Christ, that you were seeking to find it in something else. And so, you know, you end up in this um, relationship. But God is so good, isn't he, to redeem, oh my gosh, yeah. you know, our poor decisions. And he can take, um, you know, the the things that were, you know, the ashes, and he makes beauty, you know, from the yep. ashes. And we just finished 
this past weekend, um, studying through the book of Ruth, you know, at our church, which, as you know, I mean, it's a story that starts with a really bad decision when this yeah. guy, Limelech, takes his family to the worst place he could probably take them, uh, being Moab. Um, yep. And the first chapter ends with death and despair um, because of that decision and, and what happened. But then you see this beautiful story of redemption where God you know, brings everything back around and he blesses this gal named Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi. And then from that um, relationship marriage that she has with Boaz, it takes us literally to Jesus. Um, yeah. And uh, it's such a great picture of how God uh, redeems those type of things and and gives us the opportunity then after that to be able to share these stories. And so it doesn't surprise me at all that God keeps putting you in these divine appointments where, you know, he can use you because, um, you know, he obviously allowed this to happen in your life, knowing full well that he would be using you um, in other people's lives. And I just, I think that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and it's just so who he is, you know, I mean, he, he really does. He takes our hurts and uses them in ways we can't even imagine. Now, there's something powerful, I think, that happens when we do make ourselves vulnerable to others. But I know for a lot of people, that can kind of be scary. Now, in talking to you, I kind of get this feeling that that you really weren't afraid to do that. But was there ever a point where you had to kind of overcome that fear? Yeah, you know, I mean, and there are, and you know, there are other things, you know, that I've done in my life where, you know, you, you battle shame, but I think at the end of the day, I don't, I would rather be authentic. Um, and I don't mean to say that if you're not being, it, it doesn't mean share everything with everybody or you need to, Oh yeah. but I think I just, my heart is to say like it, I screwed up, but God can use it, hmm. you know, but, but only through true repentance. You know, it's through that repentance and through his healing and through saying, okay, Lord, help me do it a different way. Like he can use that in my life and he can use that for somebody else. And I just, um, yeah, I, I, I would, I mean, shame is something we all battle, yeah. but it's something that we don't have to battle by just being able to say, you know what, I blew it. I, mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think that's one thing that I've learned through walking with others. And um, I mean, I've blown it so many times and let down peoples and men, like, you know, mentors and friends and family. But I think at the end of the day, when we're willing to say, you know what, I made a bad decision and I don't want to make that decision again, Lord, help me, forgive me. And, you know, being honest and open with people about where we're at, that that's really how we grow. And we don't have to stay locked in that shame. Right. And here's what's interesting about what you just said, because you said, you know, that there, there has to come to that point of, of repentance. And I think oftentimes when somebody goes through something like what you went through, there's a tendency to want to just define yourself as a victim. And um, which in, in some, in, in one sense is absolutely true. Uh, but in the other sense, there's also the, the point of taking responsibility for yeah. your decisions. And that's where the repentance comes in because repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of direction. And so 
Um, maybe elaborate for a few minutes on, you know, just what that looked like for you in your life. Because I think a lot of times that's where some people never, ever move forward is because they're unwilling to do that. And so they have a tendency to just allow themselves to constantly, they end up finding their identity and being a victim instead of being in, in somebody who, you know, is now in Christ. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think, you know, there's a couple of things with that. Um, I would say, first of all, if you are in an abusive relationship, it is not your job to deal with what you've done wrong or right until you're out. Hmm. And it is not your job to forgive until you're out. And that does not mean forgiveness will not be a part of your process because it will. But it's really important to focus on finding a safe place and health and safety um, and then processing these emotions. And so I think, you know, getting out of that relationship, once I was out, once I was safe, once I was um, walking through healing, there really were two sides of it. And one was forgiveness um, for him, for what he did and what he said, and um, realizing that he was never, I I was never going to get that from him. And even if he apologized, it it wouldn't have fixed it. Hmm. I had to forgive him on my own and, you know, with the Lord. Um, But then there was that other side of repentance and of realizing, okay, there were decisions I made that led me here. And there were people that I hurt in this process and, you know, decisions that I'm making now that aren't healthy because of my hurt and um, realizing that if I didn't change and I didn't, you know, repent and really find a new way to do it, I was going to, I was going to end up right back where I started. So they really were two separate things. Um, But again, I think it's really important if you're in abuse um, to get to a place of safety before you start, you know, processing those pieces, if that makes sense. Because it's just, it's so hard and confusing and muddled when you're in it. Mm. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And that was actually really, really uh, well said. And you have such a, you have some great wisdom for such a young lady. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, make mistakes, learn. And <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Um, has your vulnerability opened up any doors with people who don't share your faith in Christ? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think at the end of the day, um, people want to know that they're loved and they mm-hmm. want to know that that even with their deepest, darkest thing that's going on or whatever it is that they're struggling with, that they're loved and um and I do, I do think that it has, and I think abuse again is it's a language that and an experience that transcends just a spiritual plane. Like it, it is something that opens the door to talk to people that maybe wouldn't wouldn't have talked about it beforehand. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I, I think when you have experienced great forgiveness yourself and restoration yourself. It, it's like you just look at people and you're like, I know that God can fix that. Hmm. I know that there's hope for you. I know that there, if God did it for me of yeah. all people, like there is nothing he can't do. And so I think, you know, just being willing to love people where they're at and provide hope um, is, is something that I, I love and I'm so honored to get to do. Yeah. That's, um, that's, that's amazing. And, and uh, are you familiar at all with Ben Corson? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ben's a good friend of mine, and you know he has that ministry, Hope Generation, and he yep. wrote that new book, um, Optimistics, and or Optimist. How I can't remember how you say it, but uh, 
He's that just same way, like, man, just to bring hope to this generation. And have you had the opportunity to, you know, speak on any platforms, you know, that are outside of the Christian community yet? Um, Not entirely, no. I mean, the majority of the stuff that we have done have been faith-based, but quite frankly, I would love to. Um, And again, I, I just... You know, I think at the end of the day, I just love people and I, I think this generation needs help more than ever yeah. um, and needs to know that I think they've all so many people. Um, I started writing a book called Church Hurt and mm. got such an overwhelming response that I've actually kind of paused on it because even though I, I, you know, God, I think is teaching me a lot through it. But the majority of the people that responded to me are not currently in um, in the church. Yeah. And I think we have to address that. And they've all had, they all have really valid reasons why they're not. Right. Right. And, um, and so I, I would love to do more that isn't just exclusively faith-based. Interesting. Well, we will have to do a interview about that book. At some yeah. Point when it yeah. So whenever I feel led to start writing, you know, it's kind of one of the, we always, we have a joke in our family where it's like, don't get asked to speak or write about it because you're going to live it. <laughs> And, uh, I think, you know, we've, you know, uh, since that time, you know, that was about three years ago, we've, we've, you know, there's been a lot with that, that I think God is just teaching and and preparing before that ever becomes a possibility. So that's wisdom again, on your part to not want to just shoot that out. And, uh, I'm, I'm going to be praying for you. God continues to give you wisdom on that because I do think it's an important topic. Now, I recently saw that you have a goal to visit every country by the year 2025. Now, that's a big big goal. (laughs) So how many countries have you visited so far? You know, I've actually lost count. I visited a lot of countries. Um, You know, I had, you know, my dad is so kind. And uh, whenever he would get asked to speak somewhere really, really cool, he would say, don't pay me, just pay for my family to come. Um, So we had the opportunity to get to go quite a few places growing up. But um, I got the travel bug, you know, with that and did, study abroad as many times as I could and um, all of that. So I've kind of lost count, but I I don't think I'll make that goal. So it might need to push back a little bit, but you know, Joey loves to travel. So we're always looking for excuses to try to go new places. Gotcha. Um, Can you tell us real quick about your, the work you've done in Uganda? Yeah, there's an incredible organization called fountain of life foundation. And, um, I actually uh, got connected with them. He was my physician. And um, for, you know, 15 years now, I've done uh, fundraising and development for nonprofits. And so I ended up um, helping them a little bit with some of their fundraising. And as a result, uh, went to Uganda with them a couple of times and um, just getting to meet the kids over there and one in particular named Queen. It's, It's just such an incredible and special experience getting you know just getting to see that and realize just the impact that so little makes on their lives like so little is so much to them right um and just the generosity of of the people even you know even when they have nothing they're so generous with what they have right yeah we've done quite a, a lot of ministry in uganda and africa as a whole and um yeah it's life-changing when you see it how, really is how appreciative people who have so little uh, are and how how much they're rooted you know especially those who know the lord that their identity is really in christ and uh and and yet they're so grateful and so thankful and they have so little it just it blows your mind 
It, it really does. And there was one lady there. Um, I didn't, I, I often forget to wear earrings. Like I just don't, I'm not a big earring person, but um, she noticed I didn't have earrings on. And so she showed up one day and had given me her only pair of earrings because she wanted me to feel beautiful. <laughs> and it's moments like that where you're, you're just like standing there sobbing going, I, I can't, you know, this is your only pair of earrings, like, you know, but she wanted to bless me with that so that I felt loved. And you're just, I mean, it's just, just the generosity is unbelievable. Yeah. Hey, Carrie, we're almost out of time again. So let me ask you this question. What advice would you give to somebody today who is currently right now listening to this and is in an abusive relationship? You know, I, my advice would be, um, there is hope. And I would just strongly, strongly encourage you to start getting help and, you know, find a great counselor, someone who specializes in domestic violence or abuse. Um, And and I also would highly recommend calling the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Um, They're an incredible resource and can help you get a, a safety plan. It's so I think that's probably my biggest advice is whether you're on a journey of figuring out am I really in abuse or you're ready to get out of that situation? It's so important to do it safely. Mm. And hindsight, I was an idiot and didn't do that. And um, it's so important to do that safely. And so resources like a trained counselor in domestic violence or the national domestic violence hotline are incredible resources that can help you do that. That's great. Carrie, thank you so much for spending this time with us and sharing your heart. And we just continue to, We'll pray that God um, continues to use you and and, uh, give you this platform to speak on this issue and the other things that you're really passionate about. And can you just give our listeners a just quick shout out of how they can find out more about you and your ministry? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find us at strongfamilies.com or if you do want to take the blessing challenge, again, it's totally free um, and that's on our website at theblessing.com. And you can find us on our social media channels there as well. All right. Thank you for listening to our show. The goal of this podcast is to bring you meaningful conversations that are meant to inspire, enlighten, encourage, and bring hope. Our show is produced by the awesome team at His Productions, and we are also a part of the Good Lion Podcast Network. For more Christ-centered content, I would encourage you to check out their website, at www.goodlion.io. Well, I'm Rob Sabato. Until our next conversation, remember to keep the basics of your life simply Jesus. Jesus.